thankful to not uh, have that kind of in the front of my mind as I was studying this week and thankful to have uh, Pastor Jeff Buck actually from Calvary Monterey, good friend, mentor, uh, just a godly man who's been such a blessing to me and his wife Denise also a blessing to me and my wife over the years and super thankful to have them here but Pastor Jeff sharing the word of God with us this morning and so if you would help me to warmly welcome Pastor Jeff Buck, that'd be great. Thank you so much, and thank you for all of you that have made this a priority today to come and to, in a world that is getting to me uh, at my age, 68, seemingly darker and darker, there are problems, and I've been a pastor almost 50 years, that people have problems today that I didn't see in 1972 when I started. I'm so happy that regardless of what's thrown at us and what challenges we may be passing through, that the book that's so practical and can get us through <clears throat> anything is the book that we'll study today. In Psalm 5, if you'll turn there, we have a psalm that is basically about prayer. We have a psalm here written by a pretty tough man who went through David a lot in his life. He died at age 67 after having a multitude of experiences in his world. And one thing about this man, we know he's a worshiper. And he is also, he was a very much a man of prayer. And so I've outlined, and I believe it's going to be up here at some point, under the title, Take Cover, I'll explain that in a moment, five different things that I see in David's prayer life. The average Christian, according to the George Barner research, the average Christian prays for 30 seconds a day. And the average pastor, seven minutes a day. We are living on starvation uh, diet when it comes to prayer. All of us feel bad that we don't pray more than we do. And the number one reason is busyness. And perhaps you've got three kids under the age of five. Maybe you're working a second job. Whatever it might be, there's always something that wants to steal that thing of prayer. Because prayer has to be, although there is the conversational prayer through the day, which all of us, I think, uh, whether we're in a crisis or simply talking to God through the day, enjoy. Built upon that, though, there's that what my pastor used to call an appointment with God that you can make, and if you keep it four days out of seven, you're doing better than most, of the time to talk to God. Reading through Proverbs, reading through the Bible itself makes you strong. Prayer makes you intimate with God. But I, I talk about this thing of take cover. We lived in South Florida. And I didn't know much about hurricanes until in 1992, Hurricane Andrew was headed for the Dade-Broward line. And I, didn't, I just didn't know about hurricanes. 
And man, did I have to, after my Sunday morning message on Proverbs 22.3, which was the prudence sees evil coming and hide themselves, I had to go home and figure out how to board up a house and never did it before. And hurricanes will give you five, six, seven days notice, but it comes to a point when they say, take cover. When you live in the Midwest, as we did, and you have tornadoes, You'll hear through your neighborhood sooner or later a siren, a police officer who is saying, take cover. And there are times in life that that's all we can do. We haven't been able to stop the storm or avoid the storm. We're going into it. And I'm going to tell you a story about my dear wife over here. She doesn't like to be talked about, and so I'll make it as brief as I can. But uh, I almost lost her after six minutes of no heartbeat this past April 6th. And it was the concerted prayer of hundreds of people. I had no idea as I was going through this crisis of, of my little Facebook post would go all over the nation and all over the world and her life would be spared. If you look at the and it's interesting, sometimes there are explanatory notes about these psalms. And in this one, in my Bible, it says, for the choir director. So this psalm, Psalm 5, and I'll read it in a moment, was actually meant to be sung by a choir. And then it says, and I don't remember any other psalm having this, for flute accompaniment. Well, you, when you have a song with flutes, it's sort of meditative and uh, contemplative, pensive, intimate. And this is the kind of psalm it is, a psalm of David. These 12 verses, and it will be up here at some point, uh, I outline in five different points. But let me read it. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning, Psalm 5.1. Hear the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to thee I pray. I'm, God, I'm talking to you. In the morning, O Lord, thou wilt hear my voice, and in the morning I will order my prayer to thee and eagerly watch. For thou art not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, no evil dwells with thee. The boastful will not stand before thine eyes, and thou dost hate all who do iniquity. Thou dost destroy those who speak falsehood, and the Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. Verse 7, but as for me, one of the great phrases in Scripture, but as for me, no matter what anybody else is doing, but as for me, by your abundant chesed, loving kindness, I will enter thy house at thy holy temple I will bow in reverence for thee. Everybody else is out being wicked. I am going to find the sanctuary of God. Verse 8, O Lord, lead me in thy righteousness because of my foes. Make thy way straight before thee. It's no fun to live a zigzag life. And he says, Lord, make thy way straight before me. There's nothing reliable in it. Now he's back talking about the wicked again. There's nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat 
Interesting picture is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue, hold them, and, and you'll notice at times David kind of helps God with the judgment thing. He encourages God that you could judge them this way, you could do this, that to them. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall in the multitude of their transgressions. Thrust them out. They are rebellious against me. And the final phrase, preposition, but let all who take refuge or take cover in thee be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And mayest thou shelter them. See that thing of shelter and being covered by God? that those who love thy name may exult in thee. And one of my favorite verses that I committed to memory probably four decades ago is Psalm 512. For it is thou who dost bless the righteous man, O Lord. Thou dost surround him with favor as a shield the favor of God, the touch of God, the blessing of God, the the anointing of God. And that's what he lived for. Let's just run through this. First point is in the first three verses, first of five, bring it all to God. Bring everything to God that's going on. Bring it to God, number one, early. Early. Charles Spurgeon said this, this is the fittest time for communion with God. An hour in the morning is, is worth two in the evening. How many of you are not morning people? <laughs> this is a tough one. But listen to this his sentence. While the dew is on the grass, let grace fall upon the soul. While the dew is on the grass, let grace fall upon the soul. It was Martin Luther that said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, so typical of him, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot go without spending three hours daily in prayer. I was ruined forever when I read Watchman Nee, who was a wonderful Christian apostle in China who was a long story about him. But I was reading him one day and he he said these words. He said, it's wonderful with the Lord at 6 a.m. But it's even better at 5. And that just stuck in me. Now, I was not uh, an early riser. Uh, One of the first things my wife ever made for me was this kind of a funny sleeping gowns down to the floor and on the back it said U.S. Olympic sleeping team and so it was not like it was natural for me to ever get up early but I learned and I trained myself to where it's easy to get up at five o'clock or or even earlier I went to Atlanta to spend eight days with grandchildren with my wife April And because of the crisis that happened with her, I was there 65 days. A long time. But if you're going to get sick, get sick in a great city like Atlanta where your oldest daughter lives and can take your wife to the hospital. You know, I don't understand why bad things happen, but the 
amazing, wonderful glimpses of God's grace that came through those days. But 65 days in Atlanta, I did not miss a morning Devo, generally at 5 o'clock. One reason is that my grandson wakes up at 5 o'clock and sings at the top of his voice up in his room. And he's singing opera songs and uh, Disney songs. Ah! And so I didn't have a lot. <laughs> but in this first thing, notice it says, words, groaning, cry for help. Sometimes that's what prayer is. Prayer is a desperate call out to God. You can do that in a time in the morning, whatever morning is for you. But calling out and crying out to God. Words, groaning, cry. And he says, to you I pray, my King and my God. That's one of the things you do in prayer is you remind yourself who God is because it's so easy to forget. You know, the bill that's overdue is, is talking louder than the scripture or the, the terrible neighbor or the, your awful boss or whatever it might be. But he says, in the morning, you'll hear my voice. And in the morning, I will order my prayer and eagerly watch. This is a, actually an allusion to the Old Testament offering of a sacrifice where they would chop up wood and they'd get a sacrificial animal and place it carefully there or, you know, a meal offering or an incense offering. But it's, it speaks of intentionality and time. Giving God twice what you give Him now, maybe that could be your thing. Whatever it is you can do in your morning time with God, could you double it? If it's one minute, it could be two. If it's 15, it could be 30. But again, uh, I, Charles Spurgeon, do we not miss much of the sweetness and efficacy of prayer by a lack of careful meditation before it and hopeful expectation after it? Let holy preparation, speaking of consistent prayer, holy preparation with patient expectation, we shall have far larger answers to our prayers. Does anybody have a need now that it seems like only prayer can answer? Anybody got a situation like that? Most of the time we do. And if it doesn't come from God, it won't. I mean, the swirl of doctors in, in our 24 days in the hospital and diagnoses and all these different things, I'm so glad I didn't rise up in the morning and pray to my doctors. I'm so glad as wonderful as they were. We had this one doctor who was so great in the ER. He wasn't supposed to be there that week, but he showed up that week at Dr. Reyes, and Denise was unconscious, very sick. He would, he would sneak in and he'd look at what the, the numbers were, and if the numbers were good, you know, the oxygen saturation and all that stuff, if he liked it, he would do a little dance. It was the craziest thing. He was devoted in this situation and yet I had to take cover in God my ultimate trust wasn't what any doctor was going to do and it took them two or three days to even figure out why she was so ill there's a limit to what human beings can do for us 
even moms and dads, even brothers and sisters, presidents, neighbors. But could I encourage you, number one, bring it to God early. Bring it to God early. If you're a night person, maybe that's something you have to do at night and end your day that way. That's perfectly legal. But bring it to God. Number two, bring it to God in reality. Being real with God about your feelings. And in 4, 5, and 6, he's talking about these jokers that are his enemies. How, how terrible they are and the kind of things they do. When I read this, I hate to say this, but I lived in California in the 50s and the 60s. Moved back here in 2008. And unfortunately, 4, 5, and 6 remind me of California. The, the wickedness that has boiled up and grown and seeped into everything and the resistance to the church and to godliness, the insistence upon my own sexual rights and, and whatever it might be. But when you come to God, come with reality. Exactly how much in debt are you? You might be drowning in debt. Could I encourage you, number one, take a Dave Ramsey course, one of those things that I love to teach, Financial Peace University. But the big thing is, exactly how much in debt are you? Exactly, to the penny. And pray about that. How am I going to deal, Lord, with these, this 22,383 credit card debt? How am I going to deal with that? What exactly is the medical diagnosis that you're so afraid of? What is it? What exactly are the doctors saying? Talk to God about it in reality. So many of us know that we should be saving for retirement, but we're not. Exactly how much do you need to be saving? The more specific you are with God, you will find he'll bring people across your path with the counsel that you need and will show you a way that you, yes, you, can get out of your situation. What are the real problems that you're facing in this world, the real wickedness? Be as specific as you can. And then number three, early reality, verse seven, bring it all to God with confident expectation. God wants, my mentor used to say, God wants you to pray and he'd love to give you what you pray for. If you can get that in your head, because he says in verse 7, but as for me, no matter what my problems are, no matter what my debt is, my neighbors are, however my spouse is acting, but as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, what do I do? I enter your house, and at your holy temple I bow in reverence. My dad was an Episcopal priest and we had a beautiful solid redwood church with Louis Tiffany windows in Pacific Grove where I grew up. And I can tell you to the day I got saved, I was not looking for God. I wasn't hungry for God. I had a, a pastor for a father. However, when I would go into the sanctuary of St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Pacific Grove and sit I would feel the presence of God. 
I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what made that place so special. It wasn't for me the candles, it wasn't the lights, it wasn't the windows. There was something there in that room. And like he says here, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. That's why I love going to church. Anything can happen when we come to church. Wisdom can come to us. Counsel can come to us. Rebuke can come to us. Anything can happen. Why? Because of his loving kindness. Because of how much God loves you. And it says, I'll bow in reverence for you. One of the things that is so lacking today in God's people is reverence for God, fear of God. Truth always has two sides. And on one side, God is our father. He's our dad. He's our papa. He's our best friend. And in the other hand, he is judge. He is ruler. He has standards. In prayer, you learn both. You learn the fear of God. One of the things that amazes me the longer I live is what great liars people are. It's amazing to me how people can look you in the face and lie like a rug. It amazes me. And it's, it fascinates me because that's such a complete lack of the fear of God. That when you read Revelation 21 verse 8, you can read it for Homer, Revelation 21 8, it talks about the eight kinds of people that are consigned to hell or the lake of fire. It's very interesting. The last of the eight is, and all liars. And all liars. The only thing that stops us from telling half-truths, quarter-truths, not living straight up, is the fear of God. And it's interesting, he says in verse 8, he's got these two prayers here. He says, Lord, here's, here's my two prayers. Lead me in thy righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. Has your life been doing any, any of that? Have you found yourself kind of getting diverted here and getting off track there and, and, and not having it be more like a, a straight highway? You can pray about that. Lord, please lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. You, you get people all the time giving you false counsel, do this, do that, don't do this, and it's, it just is so confusing. Bring it to God with confidence and expectation that he will lead you without compromise in a straight path. I find it interesting that I was a young man not hungry for God, not thirsty for God, I got saved in a home Bible study when I was 16 years old by a guy who'd been in the Black Panthers. <laughs> like, you know the Black Panthers from Oakland? And from that moment, God grabbed a hold of my life. And by age 18, I was in ministry. And in this coming December, that'll be 50 years. How in the world I ever got on that straight path? That's just not the kind of person I am. But he prayed, Lord... I don't want to live a zigzag life. Make your way straight before me. Would you like to live that kind of a life? Prayer helps you to keep out of the ditches on both sides and go straight forward toward God. Fourth point is in 9 through 10. Bring it to God with 
perspective. He says in 9 and 10, there's nothing reliable. He's talking again about his enemies. He, he obviously is affected by all these people that are taking shots at him. And he, and he goes back and talks about them again in 9 and 10. There's nothing reliable in what they say. Their inner part is destruction. You read that earlier. Hold them guilty by their own devices. Let them fall. I don't know if you've ever served on a jury before. I've served on a number of them. I was on a, a Medicare frial federal jury in Fort Lauderdale that went four weeks. 25 charges that we had to decide. And it was, it was wild. But a few years ago, down in Salinas, I was on a, in a, a trial, gun charges, and we had to learn about the Norteños. Do you know about the Norteños and Sereños? And I had to get this whole education on what was happening around Monterey County and the kind of evil and difficulties that were there. And we had to convict this guy, or not, of a, of a weapons charge, gang-enhanced, sending him to jail for a long time. And I remember how vulnerable I felt. I remember thinking, what if the gang members come over at night, park outside my house, and just stare me down all the time? I mean, that's what they do on TV. And, uh, and I felt so vulnerable. And I remember also saying, I want to see the weapon. You're saying that this guy runs around with his weapon with in his uh, waistband and to hold that 38 caliber police special long barrel pistol that must have weighed three pounds it just symbolized to me how vulnerable we all are because that stuff is happening all around us single moms people living alone people on fixed income people who are now separated maritally we feel vulnerable do we not Bring that to God. God, I feel. God, I feel. This is what, the way what's happening in my life. I feel bad about it, but I'm... Um, because if you do that, God will protect you and he'll bring you to this final point, which is you learn to take cover in God. You learn God can in the worst of situations not necessarily take every problem away but you find stuff bouncing off you in a way that you realize this is not destroying me like it could it, it's verses 11 and 12 let all who take refuge in thee and notice the the happy words here let all who take refuge in thee be glad let them sing for joy May you shelter them that those who love your name may exult in thee. Now, I don't know about you. I, I am more likely to be glad, be joyful, and exult when the problem's gone. But at the same time, even as I learned in Denise's extended situation, you can have gladness and joy and even moments of exaltation where you know God is with you. For it is thou who dost bless the righteous man, O Lord, and you surround him with favor as a shield. How, how many of you have ever heard of the Rolling Stones? Remember the Rolling Stones song, Gimme Shelter? This is the Christian version of Gimme Shelter. And man, do we need the protection of God. 
One of the happiest themes in Scripture is the favor of God. I didn't think about it quick enough this morning to make you copies. So I'm going to give you my personal website. And you can download one of 35 different teaching outlines on my little personal uh, website. It's not a big whoop de doo thing. But if you'll go to the resources section of my website, Strengthening the Churches, one word, all lower level, lower caps, strengtheningthechurches.com, resources, walking in the favor of God. And you'll see what the scripture teaches about how God wants to protect and favor and bless and walk with and be with you. You read it and you think, this can't be true. I don't know what you're going through today. My journey was, putting it very simply, in about five minutes. 24 days in the hospital. Denise is unconscious for six days. They call me in the the night of uh, April 6th and said, if you want to see your wife, you have to come now. So my oldest daughter and I go to the hospital. The previous evening, I stood and watched her temperature go 103, 104, 105, and they couldn't find a doctor to just give her simple Tylenol. And that was the beginning of 24 days in the hospital, six days unconscious, dialysis and all these things. It turned out that she had a kidney stone, septic shock, acute, acute heart failure, acute kidney failure, pneumonia, you name it, she had it. I called my pastor in Monterey and said, I don't know if I'm coming home with a wife or without a wife. And he just talked me through it. And it's amazing, six days later, two days after the, the, the medication was stopped, she finally woke up. The same nurse was talking to her as when she had gone to sleep, and so she thought she had just taken a nap and has no memory of those six days at all. No memory of dialysis, no memory of intubation, no memory of all those things. Isn't it amazing? The doctor says, while she's unconscious, she has a kidney stone. She's not uh, strong enough to even be taken down to my OR. I can't even get her down there. He says, I don't do this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring my machine up here and I'm going to put a stint around that blockage until she's well enough to be, to be taken care of in surgery. I'm going to do it right here in her bed. You, you go out, and I'm going to take care of this. And within two days, we saw she'd actually live. And she's sitting right here. She could easily be dead, easily be gone. And the glimpses I saw of the power of God and the love of God In the midst of something terrible, 65 days, I was never so happy, is on June 3rd, Delta Airlines, 725 of Atlanta into San Jose, that I could bring her home. Every day, I brought it to God. I I credit the intercessory prayer, keeping the devil out, bringing Jesus in, Bring in spirit-anointed laborers. Some nurses were not so great. Some doctors not so great. But I saw an amazing heart for people when I was at the bottom of the barrel. 
I have four grown daughters. Called them all April 6th, early morning hours. All four were there by 2.30 the same day. We sat down in the coffee shop and I just leaned on those girls. Leaned on my adult kids, 27 through 43. And they walked me through. Good in the midst of bad. That's what happens to me when you pray. The favor of God, the touch of God, the blessing of God. Things that you, they, even though we're like David's going through difficulty. So what you, what's happening with you today? I would submit to you there's nothing that you're going through. Nothing this church as a corporate body is going through that Jesus does not want to help you with. And I can testify, having gone very low and very high, and now just walking my steady walk in life with God, prayer works. I hope sometime I can come back and give you a little prayer clinic on exactly what to do when you pray. But these are the attitudes to come with confidence and expectation, early reality perspective. And then all you can do is take cover. I don't know what's going to happen next in this bankruptcy, Lord. I don't know what's going to happen next with my terrible neighbors. But I take cover in you. It's like Richard Wormband, who was 14 years in Romanian prisons, used to say, wonderful Christian Lutheran pastor, he used to say, they used to beat the daylights out of me all day, all the time, especially on my feet. But he said it was such an amazing thing. I felt it but it didn't totally affect me. And there were times, he said, when I was outside my body and I didn't feel it at all. And yet he was still there, still hurting, still being beaten. But his testimony was, God was so with me that I could go through anything. So we're going to have a time to come to the altar, get the elements during worship and take them to your seat and enjoy time with God. If you, as I'm talking about a personal walk with God, have never had that experience. I was a, the son of an Episcopal priest. I, was no, I wasn't saved. I didn't know anything about salvation. It, it, it took a home Bible study that I was invited to for me to personally give my life to Jesus personally walking with God. That's what God has for you. So I want to take this moment to pray over you and then they're going to, we're going to have some more worship and we can do business with God. But you have the opportunity to listen to God on the inside. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want my prayer life to, to look like? How do you want me to handle this crisis or this, this worry or this concern that I have? How do I handle this? And the Lord loves to hear us and to favor us with his intervention. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today being in the very same boat as they're in. How I need your help every day. Whether it's an easy day or a hard day, a crisis day or a day of triumph. Thank you. We're just like David. We can bring it all, 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 all to you. We have some time now to do that very thing, Lord. 
please visit us, teach us, draw us to yourself. Let your anointing, your power, and your grace, your favor rest upon us. And we thank you as we worship. You are not going to be a stranger to us. You're going to cuddle up to us close. And we're going to have that intimate time with you. Drop into our minds the word of wisdom or word of knowledge or the direction or whatever it might be for what's ahead. Help us, Lord, today. 